Hello and welcome to the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Luke McDonald. Lukey Mac, thanks for coming on. Before we get into this episode, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at BettingPod, and check out the website, businessofbetting.com. Guest suggestions are much appreciated. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Betfair Proprietary Limited. Betfair operates a betting exchange and is licensed in the Northern Territory of Australia. Residents of Australia can join Betfair by visiting betfair.com.au and support this podcast by using promo code BOBPOD. Please gamble responsibly. So thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Luke McDonald. Lukey Mack, thanks for coming on. No worries, mate. Good to be here. So, look, you started a podcast of your own, so we might talk about that a little <laughs> bit later on. But um, for today's introduction, just tell us a little bit about your, I guess, your younger days and how you came up through the ranks of betting and poker and a few other things before you got to sort of your adult years. Yeah, cool. Um, yes, yeah, so it really sort of started out. Oh, well, really mega early days. I, I used to uh, pump with, with dad on, on the horses. Um, you know, he'd give me sort of five bucks for the day and allow me to pick a few by name. But really, it sort of ramped up uh, at school when it was probably just pre the poker boom, actually. But Texas Hold'em started to take over and we would play, yeah, Hold'em in the lunch breaks and uh, we used to play a bit of a weird variant where I don't know the guy who was dealing. I don't really know where this came from, but the guy who was dealing would be able to just slam down as many cards as he liked for the river and then just pick one. I mean, he couldn't look at the card, but he would just be able to grab the remaining deck and just like basically burn as many cards as he would like and then flip one over. <laughs> and uh, I don't know where that came from, but it made it seemingly like more exciting, even though we didn't know what cards. Actually, you did used to go back and filter through the cards that had been burnt to see who got robbed. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was kind of fun. And um, I was better than sort of the people who were playing them, but I really didn't know too much about the game. Uh, only what I'd learnt from sort of playing matchsticks with dad and that was five card draw and then yeah we just from there the poker boom hit as as i finished uh high school and we used to play a home game uh when i moved down the coast and there was this guy who would win just every single week and i was wondering how that was possible uh because all i knew at that time really was it was just pretty much luck so I uh, asked him one time after the game and he said, oh, I've just read a few books and just researched a little bit about the game, which kind of blew my mind. And he let me borrow the book and uh, I read it. I still can't, I can't actually remember which book it was, but it was really, really basic, you know, sort of easy reading, about 100 pages or so, and just about basic poker strategy. I read that and, yeah, that sort of opened my mind up and opened my eyes to the idea that there was a lot more than just luck to poker. And, uh, yeah, so that's that was kind of the teenage years and, and young adolescence for, for getting into some sort of gambling, I guess. And what was your other potential trajectory? Were you, you know, going to go to university and look at a, a corporate job type thing? Were you headed for the tools or a factory or what? putting aside the, the betting or the gambling component, what was the alternative looking like? I'd never really known exactly what I wanted to do, just that I wanted to own my own business. I didn't know exactly what what it would be in, but I'd always just, I, I'd never liked the idea of working for someone else. So I, I yeah, I wasn't sure, but it kind of, in my mind, it kind of looked like something in the corporate world, but I, I wasn't I wasn't exactly sure what it would be. A lot of my mates, uh, where I grew up in Bow Desert, a lot of my mates uh, went into trades and things like that. And uh, yeah, it just, I don't know, it just wasn't for me. I just couldn't see myself out there. I actually tried 
doing a plumbing apprenticeship for a little while and yeah i just just couldn't see myself sort of can you know out there digging holes it kind of got pretty tiresome pretty quick so yeah I, I wasn't really sure exactly what it looked like but something in the corporate world and definitely owning my own business so and university had come up i just didn't know what i wanted to study and as sort of got into our our 20s i'd had some mates that had gone straight to university and had deferred and dropped out and were just ah this is not what I thought it was going to be in terms of the course they were studying and I didn't really want to do that so yeah it, it was something in in the corporate world what that was I had no idea so there's a lot of people in their late 20s or 30s who probably played a fair bit of poker during the Texas Hold'em boom and with all the world poker tour stuff going on party poker and a lot of that what was the difference between a lot of those people and yourself and getting involved more deeply other than reading a few books? Yeah, well, I, I kind of I kind of missed probably the 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 really early parts of the poker boom uh, because yeah, I was still really, really crap at at uh, actually, my skills in the game were quite decent from a, a standpoint of understanding you know, hands and maybe even being able to understand a little bit about where my opponent was and where I was. Uh, but I, I, I was, I was still very young, very impatient. And that was, that was a big issue with, with my play. Uh, I was, you know, partying and just really sort of focusing on uh, having a good time really in my young twenties rather than, rather than, probably realizing the opportunity that was there mainly online at that point in time. And I think the people who really made it pay, they, yeah, I think a lot of them, like some of my friends who really were successful in the poker boom, they're still partying and having good fun, but they were just uh, probably a little bit more patient and considered. And really you didn't have to be that brilliant at the game. You just had to, you just had to wait and uh, and get it in with the best hand because the boom really brought. I mean, everybody after Chris Moneymaker won the World Series, everybody thought that they could be the next accountant from you know Idaho, wherever he was, uh, middle of nowhere, basically to to become a millionaire. So really, you didn't. You just had to have uh, a bit of patience, and I I lacked patience in my early twenties excessively. Um, so I think probably the big difference between the people that had a lot of success and, and, and not so much, uh, was not really knowing the game all that much better than the person next to you, but just being really patient. And some people seem to have that at a younger age than others. And I definitely wasn't one of those. So are you still playing now or have you finished up with the poker stuff? No, I've, I've given poker pretty much away. I, Played uh, professionally for three years and part-time professionally for probably another four before that, uh, and yeah, came across while I was while I was playing full-time. I sold my equity in my company and uh, went on to yeah play full-time for three or so years, and I uh, had some great success with that. And while I was at the poker table one uh, evening, I got asked about Betfair trading and did I know anything about it and uh, I didn't, and uh, I think it actually kind of started on the back of bonus bagging or um, promo whoring, whatever people want to call it. <laughs> That's what I originally got uh, told about. And I thought it seemed, seemed like a cool way to make some extra cash, and I probably back then had sports bet accounts and things that uh, were just probably so bad. I mean, I just used to punt on footy when I was – laying there on the couch and whatever. So they were probably opened all sorts of promotions back in the day. I can't remember exactly, but they would have been very, very muggy accounts. And so, yeah, I just kind of started on that train. Yeah, that's how it all sort of started for me was finding out about, about Betfair and then doing some reading and, uh, I mean, sort of fast-forwarding a little bit, but after realizing that promo sort of, you know, bonus bagging wasn't really going to be able to be sustainable long term. I started reading and found Khan Berry, uh, who I know you've had on the show. He uh, found his stuff and, uh, yeah, started realizing that there was an opportunity to 
uh, yeah, trade trade sport, uh, which is I've always loved sport, and uh, yeah, I thought it sounds like a pretty cool gig, and uh, so that's yeah, kind of moved towards that, and uh, yeah, I just got so tired with actually playing poker. It, it's it's a pretty dull game now and it's becoming more and more solved i still enjoy actually playing omaha and probably some more tournaments which i've always been a cash game player but i've been getting to a few tournaments here and there to play some omaha stuff i was in the melbourne champs uh, probably 18 months ago or so and had a pretty successful uh, time down there and i'm enjoying doing that actually more than going and playing cash now Um, it's just kind of a a degenerate itch that I need to scratch every now and then to go and play some cards. So a tournament's a nice way to do it. And Omaha's got more gamble in it and the fish seem to make more mistakes in there. So it's kind of more fun. But uh, for the most part, yeah, I've tried to go to the casino and tried to, you know, enjoy it, have a few beers and play, but I just can't deal with it. Um, It's just so slow, uh, particularly compared to online. And and my local casino also is just awful. Uh, it's, It's really... The commission structure is slightly better now, but the the games are, are pretty bad up here. So it's just, yeah, I've pretty much given poker away, to be honest. So this is a question I normally ask later on, but I'll ask it now. What's one of the attributes that allows you to be, you know, able to, to provide a living for yourself doing this full time? And whether it's been poker or, or now with what you're doing on the, the betting and trading side, what's something that stands out? Yeah, well, I think patience is the big one. And I kind of touched on that earlier that I don't think my skill set was necessarily that bad compared to a lot of other people that had really mega success. Uh, And we're talking, you know, mega people were making millions. Friends of mine were making millions in the poker boom. And it was really just working at their game a little bit more than I was for sure, but really just patience. Uh, And I didn't get that until... Uh, I kind of made a promise to myself. I remember saying, right, like if you if you can't do it with this $2,000 that you've got, like this is it, it's over. You know? And look, is that true? Probably not. Like I probably <laughs> would have had another crack, but it was my way of kind of saying like, this is your last chance. Like this is it. You know, you know you can beat this game. You know you can do this. Like this is it. Like if you can't show the basic patience required here to do this, then you've got to give it away. And it kind of didn't come until it would have been probably, you know, 25, uh, 20, you know, 23, 24, 25 years old until I really realized that I needed to, to be patient. And that's, that's definitely transferred through, uh, with, with trading. Uh, you see, uh, people talk about over trading a lot, and I think that's something that comes from a lack of patience. Uh, and I think I've been able to learn and, and, and listen. And, and one of the big things that I'm uh, – people that sort of know me, one of the things that I'm, I'm big on is, is, is mental game and, and trying to uh, have an edge with my mental game. I'm certainly so far from – from elite on it, uh, but I feel like it's an edge that I have over majority of the market. And one of those things that I guess is kind of mental game and, and intuition is, it, it, yeah, it's trying to trying to learn and understand what my mind and my body and people call it gut feel is is trying to tell me. Uh, and an example of that might be if I'm sort of sitting in the chair and. I'm watching a cricket game, for instance, and every ball that gets bowled, I just can't watch it because I just don't want a wicket to fall or I need a boundary or, you know, something like that. And I'm squirming in my chair and I'm moving about and I'm thinking, oh, you know, I just looking through my fingers, then I'm probably there's something wrong there. That's that's I shouldn't feel like that. I should have. I should have the ability to be patient in the position that I have and not be squirmish. You know, if something goes against me, I should. I shouldn't feel. I shouldn't feel like I'm I'm on edge. Really, uh, it means that I'm I'm not trading well, and and I don't have the ability to be patient in that position. And generally, like that comes back to an overstaking issue there in that in that instance. Uh, but it's taken a fair bit for me to to learn to be able to listen to what people call gut instinct and my intuition. But yeah, I think patience is is definitely one uh that people 
people need and it, and it is something that you can learn and something that you can you can absolutely work on so yeah i think that's probably one of the big ones that's an interesting example you provided because everyone will probably know when they've overbet or it's the last race of the day in in perth or it's you know a late game of nba if you're talking about the us but even if you're playing fantasy with your mates for no money, oftentimes you have that same feeling. How do you differentiate between that or are some people more likely to have that riding the edge of the seat attitude to what they're, in, in quotation marks, invested in or whether it's a bet or a fantasy or whatever it might be? Yeah, well, I think some people's risk tolerances are going to be a bit higher. So that And that, that can actually be a really good thing. I think probably some people reach their ceiling in terms of their earning capacity because they they just can't tolerate any more risk. Like they just can't bear to see another zero on the end of a red number or whatever it may be. But I think for the most part, you 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 do know. I think most people do know when they're when they're overstaked or they're in a position that they just don't want to be in. The next hard thing is to actually admit that to yourself and to be able to drop the ego and and bail out of that position no matter you know that might give you a a red what we call a red book across all the all the positions that you've got open and that's hard for some people to do uh so i think i think most people actually can identify when they are in a spot of bother the next really difficult part is to to actually face that um so yeah oh, look i'm not huge on 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 draft fantasy stuff so i can't sort of speak too much to that but what i can say yeah when it comes to uh the money side of things and and sort of having uh you know some dollars on the line you've got to find a way to be able to drop the ego and accept that you were wrong and uh there's nothing there's nothing wrong with being wrong when it comes to whether you're just flat out punting or whether you're actually, uh, you know, trading your positions. It's a it's a very natural thing to be wrong. Uh, I think something like my my win rate overall, I think, is something like fifty one and a half percent of the time I'm right or something. So like almost half the time I'm wrong. So it's once you once you think about that really, like. Uh, it's 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 very normal half the time that i place a bet i'm going to be wrong basically so it's there's nothing it's not it's not a big deal really once you once you're able to to realize that yeah and how do you go about translating gut feel or intuition or just you know it might not be a feeling necessarily just a sense of what's going on to applying that to your betting or trading because it 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 might be an overbetting thing, which is relatively easy, but what if you genuinely believe you're on the, you know, you've put a good bet in and you're, you're in a good position, but you're just a, a nervous wreck sometimes. How do you, how do you translate it from a, a good sense versus a bad sense? Yeah. I think if you, if, if, if nerves and, and things are a, a big issue for you, then that's something that you'd, you'd need to work on. Uh, your mental game in in some way. Uh, I'm not sure where those issues may actually be deep sea, but I also, I guess it's it's probably a good time to mention the work that I've done with Jared Tenler, who I know you've also had on the show, and I can't recommend enough working with him, whether it be through his books or I've actually done a number of one-on-one sessions with him uh, via Skype, and it's it's incredible the amount of issues that you have at the top level that you think are the issue, but they're actually so much more deep-seated where the issue comes from uh, and how that manifests its, itself in the way that you bet or trade or, you know, I think from here I'm just going to say trading, but it, it really does apply to anyone who's betting. If you're playing poker, it really doesn't matter. The issues that you have uh, at the top level, what you think is the issue. So you feeling jittery or nervous or whatever it may be. It really generally comes from something much, much, much deeper. And when you're able to identify that issue and and actually attack that issue, for a better word, that's where the real power is. Uh, so, yeah, whatever 
whatever the the problem that you've got, it's it's kind of hard to speak to a generalized sort of view on it because there's um, uh, so many different issues that people have. But the way that they manifest themselves in the way that you trade, uh, I think people would be absolutely shocked. Uh, I, you know, I could share, for instance, um, I ended up working with Jared the first time that I worked with him was when I was when I was playing poker and I had no idea what it was going to be uh, I, I'm certainly not a spiritual person uh, I, I, I had no idea what this mental game stuff kind of was like a fugazi to me I was thinking I don't know but I'll give it a crack whatever so I got in there and I, I, I had had poker coaching in the past and I kind of thought oh uh you know, he's going to get me in there. He's going to say, you know, because I was on a break-even stretch of about six months or so, and uh, it was just starting to do my head in. So I, yeah, worked with him on it, and I, I kind of thought we'd get in there to be like a pump-up session. You know, you're the best. You know, you can win this. I don't know. Like I had no idea like what exactly it would be, uh, and yeah, it was really nothing like that. We, we, we started, you know, diving deeper and, and speaking about you know, some of the feelings and emotions that get stirred inside me when I was, when I would win, when I would lose, when I'd be on a break even stretch and where those feelings, where some of those feelings and emotions also had been there in my past. And yeah, I ended up basically, uh, flying up to see my dad who my dad was, uh, my, my, my parents separated when I was extremely young. And uh, yeah, I ended up flying up to see my dad to chat about some things that uh, I'd always wanted to talk to him about, but had I'd never had the stones to actually go and do it. Uh, and yeah, this made me do it. And our relationship since then has just gone absolutely through the roof. Um, it's been amazing. Uh, you know, like my dad was in tears, I was in tears. I'm you know, I'm not a big crier, uh, but yeah, it was really moving stuff. And I ended up, yeah, like I said, our relationship went to a whole new level and my trading, uh, sorry, my poker on the back of that just went bam. You could actually see on the graph, it just started flying up. And yeah, it was, I mean, I just had no idea that that's where we would end up uh, from working on that stuff and how that, how those feelings were manifesting themselves um, through through my poker. So, so that was the first time that I worked with Jared, and uh, I, I I didn't work with him again. Uh, I, I stopped and just kind of enjoyed that breakthrough moment that I had. But since then, have been back to work with him uh, while while I've been trading uh, with Betfair. So, and yeah, again, had just uh, amazing breakthroughs as well. And so, look, I started out by reading his books and, uh, you know, sort of got something out of it. And that was the reason why I pressed on and got the coaching. And I don't think it's for, probably for everyone. Uh, I think people have to be able to learn to to let go. I think one of the big things that he talks about, I don't think you'll mind me saying this, is that people people like us that think very logically, we we want to inject logic into every single situation uh, that that comes about. So if we're thinking about everything super analytically and thinking about things and and we want to inject as much logic as we can into a situation. Oh, this happened because of this. That happened because of that. When in actual fact, uh, we're not robots. Uh, people, you know, I read I read things. Oh, you need to be robotic. You need to be. You need to trade in a way that is just automatic. Well, that's just the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard. Like at the end of the day, things are going to happen personally to you. Things are going to happen in your life. Um, I know at the moment, you know, I've got I've got friends who are going through uh, all sorts of issues that. And, and they know, they know that that's actually affecting the way that they're trading. You, you're not a robot at the end of the day. If we were all robotic and everyone was perfect in the way that they were trading, there'd be no money in the market. But people's emotions take over and, and that's the reason why there's often often inefficiencies. So, yeah, look, I think it's important to to realize that you're not a robot and how you can actually take control of, of those feelings and emotions. And it's really just about understanding how your brain works and how it ticks. And that's going to be different for absolutely everybody. 
but I cannot recommend enough in whatever way that it is working on your, your mental game uh, in, in some way, uh, shape or form. It's pretty powerful stuff. Do you think it's an uncharted area generally for you know, your contemporaries and others that are doing it full time? I think massively, yeah. I think a lot of people don't. I know most people didn't work on it in the poker game, and I'm pretty sure in when it comes to trading, and uh, most people aren't doing it either. Uh, it's a lot more low key in terms of an actual, I guess, industry for individual professionals. So I'm um, I'm pretty sure that most people aren't doing it, and they're certainly not doing it enough. And yeah, I kind of like the fact that that I have that edge over uh, a lot of people because, you know, it, it helps me to to win. I'm sure of that. Uh, but I also want people to be able to not just on a, a level of, uh, you know, winning more in, in their trading, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate for mental health and, and, and working on those things. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's it's definitely something. And it's a pretty solo sort of business. It can be pretty pretty flattening and pretty deflating when things aren't going well. Uh, and even probably most people are probably a little bit more melancholy that do this. And so even when things are going good, it's sometimes not even great. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a big advocate for working on it. And... Yeah, I think I think it definitely is something that that my my Conrads in in the markets aren't doing enough of. So tell me about anyone who's been on your blog will have seen you know in the past you've put a lot of granular detail about your performance and and what you've been doing. Take us through why you went down that path and and that project of putting absolutely everything online for everyone to see. Yeah, it's it's copped. Um, it's it's a pretty divisive issue. This one people sharing their results uh there's a there's a big school of thought that uh you know just just shouldn't be done and other people kind of find it motivating it's it's a really divisive one but for me it was it was really just a personal thing it wasn't uh with any intent to i guess um yeah, it's it's not it's certainly not anything about about showboating or egotistical. I think there's probably some ego to it, and I, it's probably naive of me not to admit that. But really, the 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 base level for me was that it worked for me with with poker, uh, doing a a public sort of challenge, I guess. And I actually, when I mentioned earlier about the the two thousand, I gave myself and said, "You got to do this." I actually started a thread on Two Plus Two Forum. And said, "Hey, I'm gonna, you know, this is my last crack." And and yeah, it was kind of just like a promise to myself. And but I did it publicly because it really held me accountable. In the past, I had made promises to myself, and I just never did them, you know. So I just thought, if I put this out there and it's it's public, and I'm just gonna look like a massive idiot if this if I don't do this. So yeah, it worked for me, and and off I went, and I, I was able to to grind out some. Uh, you know, a career in, in poker. And so when I came to, to, uh, to Betfair trading, I kind of thought that it would be a natural thing to do that again. And I had read some other people's blogs and I'd found them super inspiring as well. You know, so I mentioned Khan, uh, Trader Matt also had one. It was pretty brief. I'd wish that he'd done some more writings. Uh, and there was, yeah, there was a few others uh, that I had read and I'd found them inspiring in that it was actually true that you could make those sort of returns. And so it was a combination of, A, if this was successful, people would read it in the future and possibly be inspired like I was. And why shouldn't I do that if someone else sort of gave me that motivation to to do this why shouldn't I give that back to somebody else potentially in the future and also to be able to make a promise to myself to you know publicly show that I could do this and so that was really the the main two reasons for doing it uh, and like a, a lot of other people will say yeah, oh, it's so egotistical driven and da, da da da. Look, I definitely have an ego. There's no question of that. I think you have to have some sort of ego. I've found a balance between having an ego and also knowing when to to drop it and realize that I'm wrong and those sorts of things. So, look, 
I think, yeah, they were the main two reasons for it. I, I, in recent times, I, I must admit that I had been challenged on some of that thinking. I was reading, I'm reading a book at the moment called The Happiness Curve, which I won't go too much into it, but it's quite an interesting read. But one part that they were talking about in there was the fact that we compare basically everything to our, our immediate peers, the people that are right around us. And they were using primates as a um, as an example, and they were showing that it's really kind of uh, it's really kind of the amount of money that we earn. Uh, we we were only really sort of jealous in comparison to the people that are immediately our peers. So if our partners or our friends or, our, you know, that, that kind of whole keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing right around us are earning more or less, that's the things that can give us lack of self-worth and these sorts of things. And I must admit, like when I read that and my intention, and it just certainly did challenge my thinking. And I spoke to my partner about it and uh, you know, like we came, kind of came, I said, look, no, really, the, the truthful reasons as to why I was doing it were the first two. And knowing that those are the reasons that I, I did it, I'm, I'm happy to keep sharing my my successes. But also, I'm, I'm also diligent in, in sharing my losses, too. Uh, I, I don't get into the whole idea of just sharing green books, which uh, a lot of people I, I see do that. And you just know that they're not winning as much or as frequent as they say they are. So I think uh, I've always, always, and it was warts and all on that blog and always has been, I share my losses as well. And it really is just for those two reasons. And there's probably a little tiny little bit of ego in there too. <laughs> so in those blog posts that I was looking at, there was not one sport or, or sharp focus necessarily. There was a number of different sports. And I guess this goes to the idea of, well, you've been talking about trading since the start. Take us through the thought process, I guess, on your side in terms of is trading something you can attack across the board or is it something that you need to hone in on and have domain expertise so that you're watching, you know, ball-by-ball ball cricket coverage or you're watching, you know, every try or, or things like that? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, good question. I, I think specializing is, is super important. Back then, you've just reminded me of the other person that I was reading about when I was learning about trading was Dan Weston and he had a book out uh, on tennis trading. And that's why yeah, I was kind of firing at everything. I was trading darts, tennis, you name it. I was kind of trading it. But really horses, UK horses and, and tennis was off the back of Khan and, and Dan because I just didn't know any thing else i didn't even know that cricket trading was a big thing uh i so yeah i was kind of just trading anything that moved i was just desperate to try and apply these skills and and pretty quickly though i realized that i really needed to focus in on areas that i uh, understood more deeply i think to be honest now that i would say that i'm in up towards sort of getting towards advanced in, in, in my trading that I would probably be able to grind out some some profit on on most on most sports if if I if I went back and and kind of refreshed and started out and dropped the stakes and I think I, I could find uh, a lot of my stuff is pattern recognition and I think those things often repeat over and over and over again so I think I would be able to pick up some of those patterns in 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 most sports. Uh, so I quickly moved into cricket and rugby league, which are the two sports that I've followed my whole life. And though, though sort of focusing in on those two sports definitely allowed me to get the successes that I got a lot more quickly than had I have gone for the scattergun approach. Uh, I know a lot of people that are successful in this really just focus on on one sport. So most of most of the people that I know uh, that, that have success personally, it's, it's in cricket trading and I've kind of just gravitated towards those people because of, you know, my successes with cricket, but yeah, there's, uh, you know, with Betfair where you've got golf, uh, you've got racing, you've got tennis, cricket, uh, NFL's kind of picking up and I expect once we get that sort of open slather over there with their, uh, sports betting that, that that's the exchange is going to be uh, you know pretty massive for 
for uh, NFL and probably you know most of the American sports. But I think that'll be a quite a a fun time when the states. It'll be a bit of a mini poker boom almost again when the states is able to to trade on exchanges and and. I think it'll be probably pretty fun markets, but then I think it'll sharpen up pretty quickly because there's some some mega mega smarties over there in the states. So, yeah, I think uh, definitely focusing in on something that you know really well and and you understand is going to get you the best success as soon as possible. The Betfair Exchange isn't a house that sets the odds; it's betting at its purest. One punter's opinion against another's. Play the game within the game at betfair.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Take me through the impact uh, on NRL betting this season and what it was like previously, and, and some of the changes that have happened in recent times. Yeah, it's it's been uh, it's actually rocked me to be honest. Um, <clears throat> I think I had some beers with a uh, good friend of mine yesterday and was sort of filling him in on the details of it. But he was kind of surprised because he's like, yeah, you've always said to me that this won't go on forever. And he was kind of, he said to me yesterday, I was just thinking to myself, why not? Like you'll just be able to you know, keep keep making cash doing what you're doing. But regulatory things are always, always an issue. I mean, you've only got to look at poker now, which is completely banned online in Australia. Just totally mind-blowing how that can be the case it's been lumped in with what is it a game of um, just pure chance apparently so um, I mean it's just so insane but yeah so look regulatory things are, are never far away from from sort of cutting out edges and and that's happened to me with uh, with NRL um, so they've basically uh, six days out from the season starting uh, announced Betfair have announced that the commission structure has gone. It's now the most expensive sport in the world to trade on Betfair at six percent, and people might say, "Oh, it's only one percent up from the others." But last year they were able to have a two and a half percent commission structure, the same as the AFL, uh, and this year they've had to go from two and a half to six percent. So um, Peter Volandis, who is now on the NRL commission, uh, he's also the uh, uh, New South Wales uh, thoroughbred CEO or whatever the the big wig is there. He's now on the commission for the NRL, and he has decided to bring in a uh, turnover based model, which is for anyone who's in racing will understand. It's basically the same sort of model as that, and that just doesn't work for the exchange, and particularly with the low turnover that the NRL uh, markets had. Anyway, it's yeah, it's really it just doesn't work out. Whereas before they had a profit based, and I mean the sort of the, the basic thing. And look, uh, the boys in uh, the little group chat that I've got will be laughing when I'm about to start talking about mass because it is not my strong point. Um, but essentially, the way they explained it to me was if there's two people in the market, let's say just two people trading against each other, and I have a thousand dollars on a team at a dollar ten, uh, somebody the other person obviously lays that. We're now you know, plus 100, minus 100. But then later on in the game, that might flip around and they have the $1,000 on the same team at $1.10, which I decide to lay. Now our books are completely zero zero, but we've created $2,000 of turnover. So Betfair's having to now pay on that, even though they make no income on the back of it. So it's, yeah, it's really hard for an exchange to be able to, you know, keep their commission structures down low. So they've had on the back of that model. So they've had to, uh, go up and as a result you know sort of like 197 and a half lines now have become 194 and people are just finding that they're able to get prices with books and things that are that are better and the liquidity is pretty much dried up it's a pretty sad state of affairs uh, there's still a fair bit there pre but Saturday night for instance was just shocking like there was really no point sitting in front of the uh, in front of the screens at all and so, yeah, it's it's been pretty rough for me uh, in terms of having to realise that that income is now gone, and it's the first time that I've had to go through uh, what we, you know, what people are sort of describing to me that have done it before as kind of reinventing themselves and finding a new way forward. But yeah, it really did rock me, and it 
yeah, I, I, I just, yeah, it was very unexpected, even though I always knew that things could change at any moment. Uh, just kind of the timing of it six days out from the season. And, and it's, it's probably the sport that I enjoy the most watching and, and trading. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of just been ripped out from underneath me, which is, yeah, pretty, pretty tough to swallow. But, um, yeah, I like I said, I'm I'm working through how to 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 try and reinvent myself and and find a way forward. So, I've been working on on uh, horse racing. I know people that follow me on Twitter uh, will have seen, and that was kind of as well a, a total freak chance that I tried out on my my fifth journey now on trying to make racing work. It hasn't worked the previous four times, but I, that was a total uh, freak chance that I decided to have another crack at it just on the back of thinking that my skills have gone so uh, they've grown so much over the last 18 months since I'd last tried and I thought oh, okay I'll, gi I'll give it another shot and that was sort of a month ago now and then yeah the news came so that's one way that I'm trying to see if I can press forward uh, is to to make racing happen uh, the other thing is uh, you know just betting a bit more pre uh, with the with cricket games a year so if i really wanted to i could trade cricket all year round i just don't do that at the moment because nrl had been so successful for me but also i just find that i'm not at my best when i'm trading late at night uh i'm tired i don't drink coffee uh, and when i do i find myself really jittery and it just doesn't work for me and when i'm not focused and not at my best i Obviously, I'm not going to be as elite as I possibly can be while I'm sitting in front of the screens. And the secondary thing is, is that I find that this gives me opportunities to enjoy enjoy life. I don't really want to be sleeping all through the day uh, during the winter. But if I have to do that, then that's something that I, I'm going to have to strongly consider. But my yeah, my first port of call is uh, trying to make a little bit. I can out of NRL in some different ways and just trying to sort of process how I can make that happen. And then also, yeah, pressing on to try to make racing happen. So reinventing yourself from a fundamental perspective, what actually can you do or have you learned so far that you can share with others? Cause I'm guessing there's others that bet NRL or there's others that have faced regulatory or other challenges that will impact their ability to, to make money on a certain sport or a certain way to bet. What can you share in terms of, some of the things that you're thinking about or that might have worked so far? Yeah, well, I've just emailed Jared yesterday. I'm going to go in and have a couple of sessions <laughs> with him, I think, is the first thing. Uh, and also, yeah, look, I, I, I've also got uh, an, an, another guy. And this is probably a, a really good thing that I think people can do is, is you've got to build a network around you. Uh, like I have... For instance, I've got a group chat of sort of, I think there's probably seven or eight of us in there, um, recreational guys, uh, part-time pros, full-time pros that uh, we chat all the time. Uh, I probably chat to them more than I chat to um, my poor partner, at, uh, you know, some days. So like, but it's great because you don't go to barbecues and things and speak to people and they say, Oh yeah, that's what I do as well. Very often, you know, we're in different areas of, of Australia, different areas of the globe. So really like building a network around you to talk about things, sharing experiences, sharing the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions that are sort of happening there. It's, I cannot recommend it enough. It's one of the things that I think also is a big edge of mine is, is I like to, connect and network with people and speak to people about how they're feeling, uh, how I'm feeling and sort of, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing the stuff that you find out and it might not be something that you're necessarily going to use. It might be something that you definitely wouldn't use. And the example that I would think of there is, is I used to listen to how mugs would explain they'd play hands on the poker table. Now I'm not about to rush out and, and play it like that, but it also made me think, okay, like if we get into a pot together against each other, then I'm going to be able to, you know, bet exactly accordingly to how I think the guy would make a call. So listening and understanding anything about the game that you're in is super important. The people that 
the, the things that people know, the people that they know, the, it's it's really important to build those networks, in my opinion. Um, so the reason that I mentioned doing that is I happened to be speaking to a guy on Twitter. Gosh, it would have been six, 12 months ago. And we were just chatting away on, on private message. And he had, had actually had to, he had mentioned to me, sorry, that he, I think he's been in the game sort of seven, eight, nine years or something trading. And he had mentioned to me that in that time, he's lost many edges and, and gained many edges by reinventing himself. And to me at that time, that just wasn't relevant. But the first person that I messaged when this happened was him and said, hey, I really need some advice. You know, I need some help. Um, and at the moment, he's got some stuff on, but we're organizing a phone chat to, to sort of work through the processes that he went through to, to find a way to reinvent himself. One thing that I did yesterday, because uh, I was really frustrated round one, there was just nothing there. And then Friday, Thursday, Friday night, it was kind of okay. And then Saturday, the first game was just abysmal. And halfway through the second game, I could just see that it just wasn't going to happen. So rather than sitting there, I just decided to turn them off I, I ordered some pizza, grabbed some beers, and just watched the footy for what I'd always loved, which was just watching the footy. And that's the first time that, that I'd done that in so, so long. I'd always been working them for the last three or so years. Yeah, so I just decided to do that. Didn't sit in front of the ladders. I did have uh, a little middle um, for the last game. So that was kind of enjoyable and fun to watch as well. But really, like, I usually I would be sitting in the cockpit got the screens up, got the screen on, I'm sitting there, I'm, you know, I'm ready to fly into anything that I think's value, but I just didn't do that. I just sat on the couch and went about it that way. And then Sunday, Sunday morning, got out of the house and just went bridge jumping down at Tweed, <laughs> basically just went, <laughs> you know, went swimming and sat at the beach and got sunburned and went, had a seafood lunch and, just really kind of got away from it all. Didn't really even worry about the games that were going to be on the Sunday afternoon and just kind of made a plan in my head of how I was going to go about it, uh, you know, what what I was thinking. And, and sometimes it doesn't matter what the plan is. You've just got to have a plan. And people that have done that will understand what I mean. And sometimes when things aren't going well, you just like you come up with this plan you know i'm gonna go with this i'm gonna i'm gonna do this and you know what it might not be the way forward but it gives you that boost that you need to keep pressing on doing what you're doing and i think that probably happens in not just in punting but in but in anything uh, you just sort of make a plan and you're just going to go with that and that gives you the motivation and the drive to okay like this could be the way forward and so yeah, I've, I've sort of come up with a plan. And, and the, the one big thing that I've done on the back of it that I can share is I've just kind of reassessed and I guess lowered the expectations of, of what I will get out of the NRL season. You know, I've known my averages and what I could make over the last few years. And that kind of rattled me that I was going to lose that. But now I have just said, okay, you know, but who cares if I only make twenty or thirty thousand this season? That's still, you know, great money. So that's kind of the thing that I've done, which has helped me, is just just basically downgraded and 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 kind of reassessed and as to as to what the sort of income that I could make from that. And now I'm chipping away at at, at finding a way to do that instead of like aiming for for what I'd previously been able to make. Yeah, interesting. I have a bit of a strange question for you. Some people I've spoken to have asked, you know, professional gamblers make this much or that much, and if I'm part-time or recreational, I want to switch over. How much money do I need to make to have a comfortable life? How does it all work? I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing some of this stuff, but just, just generally, let's say I'm a, I've been in the workforce for seven or ten years, and for round number purposes, I make $100,000 a year, whether, you know, Australian, US dollars, euros, whatever and I want to switch over. What can you share in terms of just generally speaking how the transition works, what it means in general terms to make 100K in the workforce versus betting or trading full-time and, and some of the, I guess, wisdom that you've learned along the way that you might be able to share with someone who's thinking about that path? Yeah, well, I would say if you really want to do it, just do it, basically. 
because if if you do do it, then you obviously really wanted to have a crack at it. When I started, uh, when I went and had a crack at poker full time, I had twenty thousand dollars. I had a mortgage and committed relationship and the full the full bit. And twenty grand is really not much. But, you know, I kind of thought about it and I was like, well, what's the worst that can happen, right? Like I lose the 20 grand and I go back to the to the workforce. Really, bottom line, like that was that was the worst that could happen. Yeah, okay, I'll have failed at something and, you know, a few people will be laughing at me behind my back. But, like, I give a shit about that. So, I just, yeah, I just went for it and just had a crack at it. So, if you really do want to do it, I would say just just have a go at it. Obviously, the more money that you can have behind you, the better that it's going to be and the, or the more knowledge and you know, if, if you can both. But yeah, look, the differences between the two, I mean, I just can't, I can't compare it. I mean, it's just so much better to, to not have to, well, I mean, look, if you're working for yourself, then maybe it's great, but I just could, I just can't imagine working for someone anymore. It's, it's very hard for me to imagine doing that. Uh, never say never. I, I mean, there would be some. There's, I'm sure there's roles out there for me that would be great. Uh, I actually do know of a couple in in my mind when I think about it. But for the most part, I just I just enjoy the freedom. I think the big thing that I'm always chasing, have been chasing in my life, has been financial freedom. But really, just freedom, freedom to do whatever it is that I want to do. And this is. These choices of playing poker and and trading have given me those options. So I guess everyone's going to be different as to the differences between them and whether they like them or not. But it's certainly not all rainbows and lollipops. Uh, There's a lot of stress and things that can be involved with it and you need to find a way to, to deal with those things. I know at the start of my fourth year doing it full time, I spoke to... Uh, again, you know, this is why it's so important to have a network. I spoke to a guy who's been doing this for, again, nearly 10 years, actually. He'd be one of the oldest sort of that I know of anyway that's been doing this for himself. And uh, I spoke to him about it, be, uh, about, well, I spoke to probably a, a fair few people that are, uh, you know, above me that uh, I really trust their thoughts on things. About- high and I remembered from poker days that if your profit on turnover is actually too high then you're probably leaving cash on the table by not playing up a level or playing more tables or whatever it may be you should be turning over more cash and taking more marginal spots so I spoke to spoke to a few guys about it and one of the there was a lot of interesting thoughts about it but one of the interesting ones that that did come back that did make me think was was it really worth upping my stake so much that I would earn I don't know, let's whatever, an extra hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year, whatever it may be. Was it really worth doing that for the extra stress and pain and things that it puts on your body? Uh, and I know uh, this person was speaking from a position that they understood the, the stresses and things that it can put on your body and the health concerns that can come from that. And I found that quite an interesting sort of take on it um i know that they were going through some health battles themselves and are pretty convinced that that's def that, that that's on the back of some of the stresses and things that can come from that so yeah i mean that was an interesting one to kind of ponder would it you know how much is extra money really worth if it's if it's got the potential to kill you i mean i'm not really sure where how you sort of quantify that and if it's um you know if it is true or not but yeah it's it's certainly not all rainbows and lollipops and then things can change in an instant you know you look at the nrl situation and you know professional poker players that were playing online what happens to them but look i think at the end of the day if you really want to have a crack at it then you you will and 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 you should and you'll know pretty quickly if you can make it happen or not. And the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to end up back in back working. Um, for me, I find it I find it a, a, an amazing an amazing gig. I, I can't recommend it enough. But obviously, it's not everybody can win. So yeah, it's not going to be it's not going to be easy. But yeah, if there's anything ever that anybody wants to ask me, feel free. You know, I've 
I'm happy to DM at any stage. I've, I've always tried to help people and answer as much as I can in terms of answering anything at all, really. Pretty much an open book with regards to most of the questions that people ask me. So, yeah, happy to, happy to help if there is some questions out there. So one last question for you, Lukey, and I guess it sounds like it's really difficult to do this for a long period of time. Even if you're capable and you have the resources and ability to do it, there's you know, probably burnout, there might be some sort of fatigue, there's obviously the, the mental side of things which clearly doesn't get talked about enough if you've you know, delved into a lot of that today. Do you, do you think you'll be doing this for a long time or what, or what will make you not want to do this for a long period of time, do you think? Yeah, it's a good question. I was just saying yesterday in a group chat, yeah, the, 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 the infamous group chat with, uh, with the lads, that uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't want to be doing it forever. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I would like, I'm keen, I'm pretty keen to go traveling and, and go and see a bit more of the world. Uh, so yeah, kind of, I can take some of this stuff with me, uh, for sure. But I really just want to go and kind of immerse myself in some, some other cultures and, I've really enjoyed the places that I've traveled so far. I love India and countries like that where it's really nothing like Australia. So I want to go do some more of that stuff where I'm kind of, India's not off grid, but I'd like to go and get a little bit more off grid in some places. And so that will be pretty hard for me to to take trading with me. It's not really the objective of the, um, of the travel. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I want to do it forever. I think probably the the other thing is this just it's just not feasible. I mean, some people think that it is going to be feasible, but I'm um, I think things like artificial intelligence are eventually going to make markets so efficient. Even before that, it's going to get just crazy. I mean, you're going to have models and things that are just going to get make things so tight that it's it's going to be really tough to beat, in my opinion. Even like the POC tax that's come in now. I've got a, a mate who's um, an absolute jet when it comes to WA racing and he uh, took a break from uh, betting into uh, WA racing because he was doing some uh, some stuff with his main career uh, choice. But he's come back and has been betting into those markets and has said, shit, I might have under- underestimated how much this has affected the game. Uh, he's finding that it's really, really tough now and that he can't make almost any mistakes at all now in terms of, of turning a profit. So, yeah, like it's just – there's just so many things that can change that can make it uh, not not viable anymore. So I don't like pin my thoughts on, oh, I'll just be doing this forever. Uh, but while it's here, I'm trying to make – hey, while well, the sun shines and, uh, you know, doing the right thing with my cash or what I deem to be the right thing uh, from the knowledge that I have. And, yeah, so, look, no, not forever. Reasons, well, I'd probably like to do it for a fair bit longer, but I'm going to go traveling and it wouldn't surprise me if things beget, things get insanely tough or they're not feasible to do due to regulatory somewhere along the way. So, yeah, just kind of play it by ear, but while it's here just um rip in so before i let you go just two more things a couple of resources you can suggest it doesn't have to be about um and i know you've mentioned some already with jared stuff and and khan but books or research papers or or something for the listeners and also the best place to get in contact with you yeah sure uh so uh, yeah i've mentioned jared's uh, both his books uh definitely uh have a look at those as a starting point. And then if you get something out of those, you know, some aha moments, then look at some, uh, some coaching potentially. Uh, but trading in the zone by Mark Douglas, it's just the best book. <laughs> like it's got uh, obviously nothing to do with, uh, sports betting specifically, but just that idea of getting in flow and getting in the zone is something that I think everybody can understand uh, and that's not just to do with, again, betting, but that can just be anything that you're doing in life when you just feel that you're totally in flow with what's happening. Uh, so, yeah, definitely have a read of that. As for other resources, yeah, look, really, uh, 
most of the free stuff that's out there, uh, I can I can recommend. Uh, I really I wouldn't recommend purchasing too, too much of the too much of the content that that that's sold out there in terms of specific. Uh, sports trading stuff. Actually, I really I did enjoy Dan Weston's book back in the day uh, when I first got it. It's pretty entry level stuff though, so if you're if you if you're looking to just get started in it, then that's something that you can have a read of. But if you're sort of into the intermediate or advanced stuff, then really the best resource is actually going to be in front of the ladder or networking with other people. Uh, as for getting me uh, for any questions and stuff, you can get me on Twitter. I must say that I've been through like about five or six accounts. I often get banned on there for telling people to go stick it where the sun doesn't <laughs> shine. So look, uh, it's a it's a it's a revolving door. But at the moment, it's uh, Manawa Returns, which is M U N A W A R R E T U R N S. So yeah, you can get me there. Uh, I can't guarantee how long I'll be there, so get the questions in quick and I'll get them answered for you. Awesome. Lucky Mac, thank you very much for the time. It's been a pleasure to have you on and um, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Thanks for having me. 